Lord, for the privilege of coming together like this. Lord, there are many prayers being offered up to you now for various problems and issues and just the praises of our heart. And Father, we pray that you would accept these as an act of worship and that, Father, as we trust you, you would work in the lives of the individuals that are being prayed for. Go with us now as we study your word. I pray that you would open it up to us and reveal it to us in a very powerful and special way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't you all be seated? You know, there are a lot of topics in the Scripture that I've often struggled with understanding and trying to come to some understanding of what exactly it's talking about or how it's to be applied to our lives. And I've got to be honest with you, when it comes to the subject of prayer, it's one of those subjects that has always raised questions for me. And I'll bet you that I'm not the only one that's had questions. For example, if God always, uh, always, I'm sorry, if God already wants something to be done and he has the power to do it, then why do I need to pray for it? You ever thought about that? Yeah, I think everybody has, haven't they? For example, salvation of an individual. Maybe you've got a loved one or a relative that you're praying for. Because they are lost. <clears throat> we know in Scripture that we're to pray for them, but doesn't God want them saved? Doesn't God, they're not going to be saved unless the Spirit of God moves on them. So the question then becomes, well, why does God need me to pray? Same thing with somebody that's sick or somebody that's struggling with addictions. That question is always there. What good do my prayers do and how do they affect the individual that I'm praying for? Now, I wish I had a clear answer for you on that one. I don't have a clear answer. I don't know that anybody does. But we're told in Scripture that we're to be praying for different things. And the only thing that I can conclude from that question, those questions, is that because your prayers are always factored in to God's acts, God's response, uh, God is sovereign, God's in control, but somehow God and His sovereignty is factored in the prayers that you and I pray. And they are important and they are something that we do in order to bring about results and they do have an impact. Scripture tells us that there are some things that do not happen simply because we didn't pray. For example, the book, uh, I think it's in James, it tells us you have not because you ask not. Uh, It's very clear. We don't have this that we're wanting because we haven't asked God for it. So there are things that we don't get simply because we don't pray. Scripture also tells us that there are miraculous things that happen when we do pray. Uh, Scripture tells us that the fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. And we know that's true. We see it all through Scripture. We're told all through Scripture to be praying for these things. Now, with that in mind, I want to transition now to the application of what we're going to be talking about today. I want to talk to you today about the subject of spiritual growth and and specifically the subject of praying for spiritual growth. In other words, um, we all know that we should be praying for the sick. We all know that we should be lifting Todd up before the Lord. Others in our congregation that are struggling and because they're sick, we know that. But so, so many times we don't, and maybe we just don't know it, that we ought to be praying for the spiritual growth of other people. 
ourselves to begin with, our children, our spouses, other people in the church, strangers that we don't even know, that we should be doing that. Um, And so we're going to be talking today on the topic of praying for growth or praying for spiritual growth because this prayer that we are going to learn to be praying for people for their spiritual growth is going to make a difference. It's going to make a difference in you and your family and in your church. We're going to talk today about how vital it is that you and I be praying for spiritual growth, and we're going to talk a little bit about how to do it and what exactly we're supposed to be praying for. I want to jump into this text. It's in Ephesians. This We're still continuing in our study in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to read through verses 15 through 19, so just follow along with me as I read this for you. It says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Father, our our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Now that's a lot. And in these few verses here, this is a lot of information that we're going to be looking at. There's a couple of things that I want to show you right off the bat. And that is, first of all, that Paul prayed for people that he didn't know. He didn't know these people in Ephesus. He says that. He says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith, because he's not there. He doesn't know who they are. He doesn't know the people. But yet he says, simply because I heard about your faith in Jesus Christ and you're coming to Christ, then I've started praying for you. And I've started praying for you very specifically that you might know him better. Now just think about that. My gosh, how how often do we ever pray that we would uh, be praying for, for anybody for spiritual growth, but especially for somebody we don't know? All through Scripture, we're told that we ought to be praying for people like that. Notice what Paul says here. He says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking, he says. I keep doing this. Now, how many times have you prayed for people that you just don't know? I mean, some of you probably don't know Mark Sartain. We just mentioned him having bypass surgery. But hopefully, when you went to prayer, you prayed for him anyway, simply because we asked you to. You see, there's an important part of this, that we ought to be praying for people that we don't know for all kind of things. But we, we need to be always willing and able and ready to be praying for people, not just in our family, but people that we know that have, are Christians or brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray for missionaries. We pray for their work overseas. These are people we don't know. We hear about people in the community. If you come to a prayer meeting on a Wednesday night, you understand that we pray for people that we... A lot of us just don't know. There are prayer requests that you've called in or prayer requests that people in the the meeting happened to mention that night. And we lift them up before the Lord. And honestly, we don't know who they are. But we pray for them and we pray in faith, believing that God's going to do something in their life simply because we were obedient and that God has factored in to whatever he's going to do. He has factored in our prayer. Don't understand all of that. I really don't. But I know that it's true, and I know that prayer makes a difference. 
And I want to encourage you to be praying for people that you don't know just like he did. But now here's the second thing, and I've already told you this, but let me point it out. Paul prayed for these people that he doesn't know, and he prayed for their spiritual growth. That's what he's praying for here in this text. And this is the reason why I'm even preaching this sermon today, is because you've got here a perfect example of Paul praying for somebody that he doesn't know, and he's also praying for them in this one particular area, that they would come to know the Lord better. Now, I want you to look with me as I unfold this or dig into this passage and help you to understand it. He says here in verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. That's what he wants. He wants them, these new believers, to understand and know him better. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to point out here. Okay, he talks about in this passage, in this verse, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He's praying that they would receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, here's a question, okay? This is where you need to put your theology to the test here. Do they not already have the Holy Spirit? Yeah, we looked at it a couple of weeks ago. He says, you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Upon belief, you've got Him. He's there. He's yours. He is in you. Nothing can ever change that. He's there. So we're not talking about them receiving, again, an entity or a spirit. He's there. Now, there's something else here. Is he talking about multiple spirits? I've heard people talk about this. They'll read in the Bible where it talks about the spirit of this and the spirit of that. Is Paul saying to them that they are, he's praying that God would help them to receive the spirit of wisdom and then the spirit of revelation, as this, if they are two different entities? Let me show you a verse, okay? It's in Isaiah, all the way back in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 11. And in this passage, Isaiah is prophesying about the Messiah, or Christ, coming eventually. And here's how he describes him in verse 2. He says in Isaiah 11:2, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Now watch, in the very first part of the verse, he says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, singularly. One Spirit will rest on him. But then he lists all these other descriptions of that Spirit. The Spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might. What's he talking about? He's talking about one Spirit, but a whole lot of different ways in which he's manifested to individuals at different times, depending on their needs. There have been times when you have grieved over losing a loved one. And the Spirit of God just seemed to overwhelm you with comfort. Well, that's because the Spirit, we will call him the Spirit of Comfort, helped you during that time. There have been times when you needed power and direction. And the Spirit of Power came upon you. The same Spirit that indwells you just wells up inside of you and works or manifests itself in that way in that area of your life. So we're not talking about multiple spirits. We're not talking about receiving something that you don't already have because you already have the spirit. We're talking about him manifesting himself in your life in different ways. 
So in this particular context, Paul is talking about, he's praying, then asking that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would be given to these people so that they can know him better. So here's what I want to do. I want to look at this as far as these two words are concerned. What is wisdom and what is revelation? What does that mean? What is the work that the Spirit of God is doing in the lives of these people? Because you need to understand something. It's the same thing that the Spirit does in your life and in mine as well. So we need to understand that. So let's take it in reverse order because revelation generally happens before wisdom. Let me explain it. Revelation in verse 17 is where he's talking about the spirit of revelation. When God reveals truth, that's what it means. God is revealing to you truth in some area of your life, something you need to know. For example, you may be studying the scriptures and you don't understand it. You're not quite sure what it means. And all of a sudden as if the light bulb comes on. And it's the Spirit of God revealing to you the meaning of the text. You all of a sudden understand it. And you say to yourself, wow, I, I get it. I get it. I understand it. See, that's revelation. When you are in a quandary and not knowing what to do, what decision to make or so forth, and God just brings it up to you and shows you, you know, that's the Spirit of revelation. God is revealing something to you. This truth about how you ought to live or what you ought to do. And in verse 18, he kind of clarifies it a little bit. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Same thing. I'm praying that God enlightens you and makes you understand or helps you to understand and reveals the truth to you. Now, guys, this happens in all kinds of areas of our lives and at all, kind, all different times in our lives. Spiritual insight and understanding. That's what he's asking them to receive. Now you say, well, why is that so important? What, that you would pray for that. Why would you even bother praying for that for somebody? Well, let me show you. Now watch, okay? There's a verse. It's in 1 Corinthians. Now listen to what it says. It's in chapter 2, verse 14. In this particular verse, Paul says this. He says, the person without the Spirit, and he's talking about an unbeliever here in this passage, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. And he cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Now, you've got to understand this verse, okay, in the, the application to you and me. He's saying that a person without the Spirit of God doesn't have a chance of understanding because unless God reveals it to him, he's not going to understand it. They're spiritually hidden, and they have to be revealed through the work of the Spirit. Now, when an unbeliever is coming to Christ, the Spirit works in him to help him understand it. The same thing is true of you and me. Even though we have the Spirit now, if the Spirit does not reveal truth to us, then we don't get it. We don't understand it. You and I aren't going to come to some understanding of, of the deep truths of God and say, boy, aren't we smart? We got that one. We figured that one out. God says, no, they're spiritually discerned. And if you're ever going to understand something that's a mystery in the scriptures or about life, you're going to only understand it because I revealed it to you. Now, let me show you a similar situation. There was a time when Jesus and the disciples were sitting on the side of the hill and they were talking like they did a lot of times. And, and Jesus asked them, he said, now, who do people say that I am? 
And the disciples are saying, well, some of them say you're Elijah, come back from the dead. Somebody said that you were Jeremiah, who's come back from the dead. They even claim you're John the Baptist coming back from the dead. He said, yeah, I know. He said, but who do you think I am? And old Peter, like old Peter does, he sits, he stands up and he says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. That's who you are. And I got to believe that Jesus had this great big smile on his face, you know. And here's what he says in Matthew 16, verse 17. When that happened, he said this. He said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. What is he saying? He said, you didn't figure this out, Peter. Nobody told you. He said, my Father just opened your mind to understand this. That's how you understand it. That is revelation. See, that is enlightenment. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of unbelievers and believers as well. You have that living in you. The problem with it is that we so often, like we, we do in other, other situations, we quench it. You know, the Spirit wants to enlighten us. He wants to reveal things to us. And because of our, I don't know, preconceived ideas or busyness or neglect or apathy, whatever it is, we just pour cold water over what the Spirit's trying to do. But Paul's praying for that. He's saying, for you people that have just come to Christ, here's what I'm praying. I am praying. I am praying that God would, through His Holy Spirit, would give you this spirit of revelation. That He would reveal things to you that you've never seen before. Three specific things that he prayed for. Now let's look at these just briefly. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, here's what he prayed for specifically. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power, for us who believe. Now, I believe these are three different and distinct things that he's asking for. He's clarifying what he means by mystery. I want you to reveal. He said, I want the Spirit of God to reveal something to you. Here's what it is. Three things. Number one, the hope to which he has called you. He said, I'm asking God that his Holy Spirit would help you to get a glimpse, just a, a feeling, some kind of understanding of what lies ahead for you. You know, we as Christians, sometimes we get so focused on this life and so caught up in what's happening in this life, we lose sight of the promises of God. We lose sight of what's coming. We lose sight of what He has told us. And we worry about this life and everything that revolves around this life. And knowing that and looking forward to it affects the way you live here. And He says, I want that for you. I want God, through His Spirit, to reveal to you the hope that you have. You know, the Bible tells us that what God has in store for you, he said, the ear has never heard, the eyes have never seen, the, the, it has never even entered into your mind what God has for you. I don't understand that completely. I don't understand what that involves. But I know, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it with anticipation, with hope, with assurance. He says, here you are as a believer, so caught up in this world, you're not focusing on it. My prayer for you is that God would reveal that to you that you would begin to see with your heart's eyes what God has for you. 
He said, and you'll be blessed because of it. And you'll know him better because of it. Here's the second thing that he's asking now out of this verse. He says, I want you to be enlightened in order that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Now, I'm not too sure this is talking about the future. I think this is talking about the here and now. I said, he's saying, I want you to understand the riches of what you have at your disposal as a believer among others. I believe he's talking about their identity, their blessings that they have in this life. A couple of weeks ago, we spent a lot of time on this. You've been redeemed. You've been adopted. You've been washed in the blood. You've been sealed with the Spirit. You've done all, been given all of these blessings that is yours because of your faith in Christ. That is your inheritance. And he says, I want you to know that. And I'm praying now that God would reveal that to you. I told you when I preached that message, this is probably one of the most important things that as a believer you need to come to terms with and understand because it will change the way you live life. When you understand your identity in Christ and who you are and what God has done for you, it affects the way you live. This is where you get the joy. You know what's coming and you know who you are. Man, you've got to understand that, he says. And he's praying for them to understand that. Here's the third thing, though, that he's praying for in this passage. It's down in verse 19. He says, in his incomparably great power for us who believe. I want you to understand that. He said, I want God to reveal it to you. That you have at your disposal power that is beyond understanding or comprehension. Power for what? Well, here's some things, okay. Power to overcome addictions that you thought you could not overcome. God says, I'll give you the power for that. You've got it. You need to understand it. I'm revealing it to you. I need you to let you know. This is what you got. The power to transform your life in ways you never imagined so that you don't have to be continue to be the person that you are now. God says, I'll give you the power for that. The power to do things you never thought imaginable. The things that you want to do for God that you were scared to death to do, God says, I'll give you the power to do it. I'll give you all of this. Paul saying, I'm praying that you realize that. I'm praying that God reveals it to you because it will change the way you live. Now, guys, listen to me. You and I, and this is what I'm asking of you today, you and I have got to begin to see the importance of praying, praying that God would reveal himself to us, to our children, to our spouses, to friends, to other people that we hear about who are, have come to the Lord, that God would make himself known in ways that only he can do. You and I have got to pray for that. And yeah, we say, well, what good is it going to do? What, you know, because God's going to do what God's going to do. Well, the Bible tells us that our prayers have some impact on that. I can't explain it. But I believe it. And so we have to then understand that and so we pray for that and we ask God for that so that's the the revelation that God would reveal things to us as believers truths that we don't know anytime listen to me anytime you are standing up to 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 teach a lesson you need to pray before you ever go into that classroom God reveal the truth to me reveal the truth to me while I'm studying reveal the truth to me while I'm standing up there I can't tell you the number of times I have prepared my message 
And you don't know this, but I will go off the reservation about halfway through because God said, no, 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 let's go this way. And so, okay, God revealed, God enlightened, God spoke. You see, you have got to understand that when God begins to do this, when God moves in your heart in this way, you can do anything. And I pray that you would come to that understanding. Now here, let's move really quick. Now we're going to close this up because the second part of this prayer of his is I, he said, I'm praying that God would give you the spirit of revelation and of wisdom. Now, I had reversed the order because I wanted wisdom to come second. I don't know that it matters in him telling you this, that it, there's any particular order. But when you receive the revelation from God and you understand the truth, then you're going to have to act on it. And see, this is what wisdom is in, in the Scripture. Wisdom is how you live. Wisdom is listening to what God says, what God wants, what God has commanded, and then choosing to do it. You go all through the books of wisdom in the Bible, you know, the books of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes especially. And when it's talking about wisdom, it's talking about simply just to being obedient. When you come up in your daily life to a, uh, an opportunity or a choice you have to make, make the wise choice the way that God would want you to. In your business, in your relationships, in your marriage, with your children, everything, that you make the wise choice, that you take what you have learned through revelation and apply it to how you live. Revelation and wisdom go hand in hand. Now listen, revelation without wisdom is just knowledge. You understand what I'm saying? When God reveals the truth to you and you understand the Bible, you understand what is Christian you ought to be doing, but you don't do it, then all you have is knowledge. And I've seen this so many times before because you know what knowledge does? My knowledge puffs up and makes you proud. And oh, I've seen so many times in churches I've been in, people that are so spiritually arrogant because they know something. They know something. They don't live it, but they know the answers to the questions. They know what verse says what. They've got it all figured out. And a lot of the things they say are true because God revealed it to them. But they acted very unwisely in the application of it. Nothing changed in their lives. The truth that you are, that God is revealing to you ought to change your heart. It ought to change the way you think and the way you act. Coming to church and learning a few things about the Bible and having an answer to a question doesn't make you a spiritual person. See, Paul was praying that they would know him better. Just knowing some scriptures doesn't guarantee you're going to know him better. It's the application of it. But here's the good thing. Now here's what I want you to see. That what Paul is telling them is this that even in the application of it, even in the wisdom, acting wisely in life, God helps you there too. Now watch this verse. This is Paul when he was writing to the Philippians. In Philippians 2, verse 13, he says this, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Hmm. Now watch what he's saying. 
He said, God is at work in you. How? Through that Holy Spirit that lives in you. God is at work in you to create within you the will or the desire to obey him. But then he takes it further and he even shows you then how to act. You and I both know that there have been times in our lives where we know because we've heard it taught or we've seen it in Scripture, we know what to do. We're faced with a choice and we know in our hearts what God wants us to do. God is screaming through his spirit and he's saying to you, don't do that. Don't be foolish. And yet we, in our selfishness, in our own human humanness, I guess I'll call it, we choose differently. It's not God's fault. God, through his spirit, did everything that he could to put you in a position to make a wise choice. You chose unwisely. How many times have we suffered the consequences of foolish, ungodly decisions in every area of our life? When Paul prays for these people, Paul is praying that God would reveal his truth, that then God would enable them to make the godly choice. That is true of everybody in here. That's the work of the Spirit in your life. Only you can stop that. Only you can prevent that from happening. Only you can take a bucket of cold water and quench the fire that God has created within you. And every day is new, every day is fresh, and the Spirit of God never leaves, He never quits. But the challenge is this, that you stop quenching Him and let Him do His job to reveal the truth of God to you, but to also give you the desire the, the motivation to do it. And you know it's there because God has done it. God said he would. But you have disobeyed. And we could go down like a laundry list of examples of things where we're given by the Spirit the direction that we need, but we have chosen to act foolishly and ungodly. Guys, don't do that. But not only this, Paul says you need to pray for each other that you don't do that. And so we pray for people that maybe we don't even know that because they're Christians and we know maybe they're struggling. God, through your spirit, would you please reveal yourself to them? Through your spirit, would you give them wisdom so that they can know you better? That we pray that for ourselves and we pray that for our children you think about all these children that just exited the, the, the auditorium here and went to their class. Are you praying for those children that God would reveal himself to them and that God would help them to obey? That's how we need to pray. You ever think that maybe God isn't moving in their lives because you don't ask him to? You see, that's, that's the importance of prayer. Again, I tell you, I don't understand it. But I know that it's true. And I know that it's important that you and I begin to see that. And while we're praying for healing and praying for God to protect somebody and praying for financial problems and all these other things that we ought to be praying for, 
let's add to the list that we begin to pray for God to make himself real. That he would open their hearts to understand and move them to obey. Revelation and wisdom go hand in hand. This is something that we can all do and we need to do it. Let's be that kind of church. Let's pray for each one of us to know him better. Pray for your friends. Pray for other people in this church. Let's see what God might do in the church if we all begin to grow and know him better. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we bow here before you this morning, Father, we are overwhelmed with reality that you are here and that you are actively involved in our lives. Father, we are here because of one thing that unites us, our faith in Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus died on the cross, he paid for our sins, and we are trusting that and that alone to save us. With that faith, you have placed us into your family. And the family is a very special, special organization here, an organism. And Father, we come together and we pray for each other and we lift each other up. Lord, I pray for each one of us that we would be challenged to do that. That we would pray for each other and our families and people we don't know. People we hear about or come in contact with. Pray, Father, for spiritual things to happen in their lives. Pray that you would reveal yourself to them in a powerful way. Enlighten their minds, their hearts to understand you better. And if, Father, they would begin to make a commitment to act wisely in this life, they would walk with you faithfully. And to see what you do when your power is unleashed in the life of a believer. Father, may we be that kind of church. In Jesus' name we pray.